Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Inner Life for this Monday. It's May 24th and hope you're having a wonderful start to your week. Now, did you ever grow up with your mom or dad saying something, and you heard it over and over throughout your childhood, your adolescent years, and the more you heard it, every time they said it, the more you started then telling yourself, when I have kids of my own, I'll never say that to them. But then after you started having your own family, you eventually found yourself saying that exact same thing to your kids. You know, it's amazing how our parents... They have such a strong impact on us. That example they set for us, good or bad, it impacts us for the rest of our lives in the way that we relate to others, in the way that we think about ourselves. And then that example that we set for our own children, it has the same impact on them. If you're a regular listener to Relevant Radio, and especially if you listen to Morning Air on weekday mornings with John Harper and Glenn Leverns, then you're probably familiar with Glenn's Story Corner. It's a daily segment where Glenn shares different inspirational stories with some sort of spiritual application or lesson. And Glenn let me borrow this one to be able to share with you, and it's called, When You Thought I Wasn't Looking. And as I read through this reflection, I'd especially encourage you to think of your mom, or maybe if you're a mother yourself, think about the role you play in the lives of your children. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you hang my first painting on the refrigerator and I immediately wanted to paint another one. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you feed a stray cat, and I learned that it was good to be kind to animals. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make my favorite cake for me, and I learned that the little things can be the special things in life. When you thought I wasn't looking, I heard you say a prayer, and I knew there is a God and I could always talk to, and I learned to trust in God. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make a meal and take it to a friend who was sick, and I learned that we all have to help take care of each other. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you give of your time and money to help people who had nothing, and I learned that those who have something should give to those who don't. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you take care of our house and everyone in it, and I learned we have to take care of what we are given. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw how you handled your responsibilities even when you didn't feel good, and I learned that I would have to be responsible when I grow up. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw tears come from your eyes, and I learned that sometimes things hurt, but it's all right to cry. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw that you cared, and I wanted to be everything that I could be. 
When you thought I wasn't looking, I learned most of life's lessons that I need to know to be a good and productive person when I grow up. And when you thought I wasn't looking, I looked at you and wanted to say, thanks for all the things I saw when you thought I wasn't looking. Did you have that sort of relationship with your mom? Did your mom have that sort of influence on the person that you wanted to be, the person you still want to be? Maybe you had a difficult relationship with your mother growing up and you knew that you wanted to change things so you could be a better role model for your children. And this obviously is not exclusive to moms. This is for dads too. But today is the memorial of Mary, mother of the church. And we want to look at that role of motherhood, how Mary exemplifies it for us, but also how she cares for us. She helps us as sons and daughters of God the Father, being that spiritual mother for us. And helping us today as we look at the role of Mary, Mother of the Church, is one of our regular spiritual directors, Father Douglas McKay. He's the founder and spiritual director of Our House Ministries in the Grays Ferry section of Philadelphia and serves as the chaplain of the Calix Society out there, uh, proclaiming the Catholic faith to alcoholics, drug addicts, and family members and friends affected by that addiction. And uh, Father McKay, so good to have you back here on the show today as we talk about Mary being our mother. Thanks, Josh, and uh, it's a blessing, really, to be back uh, on Relevant Radio and to speak about Mother Mary and speak about the uh, the mysteries, you know, of our salvation, eternal life, you know, that really comes through Mary from, from Jesus, you know, but uh, it's a blessing, blessing, Josh, to be with you. Uh, and, and, you know, today, as we're looking at Mary in this role of her motherhood, uh, both, you know, we can talk individually, but at, over the Church at large— this feast is a very recent addition to the liturgical calendar, and it's something that Pope Francis added back just in 2018, so just three years ago. Uh, why do you think Pope Francis thought this was important to add this memorial for Mary under that title of Mother of the Church? Well, because I really believe it. it's just always been there, you know, even from the apostles, and it's just being uh, put on the liturgical calendar. But, um, you know, I was listening to the story where, you know, about, you know, the, you thought I wasn't looking. And you made, made me think of my mother, Josh, and uh, I would watch her pray the rosary and uh, be there, you know, in front of the statue of the Blessed Mother in our house. She always wore the miraculous medal. Even when I was born, she told me she was praying the rosary and um, the, uh, the miraculous medal, novena. But uh, one, one thing that sticks out that maybe she thought I wasn't looking, <laughs> was, uh, first of all, she, she would make these meals for the uh, people in the, in the neighborhood here in Grace Ferry. They were called like the winos. And uh, it'd be kind of chilly or cold, and she would make the platters, and she would give the platters to me, and then, and then I would go out and, and give the platters to those who were suffering with addictions and, and wait for them. And I would experience something special in, in these uh, men that I was ministering to. But, uh, you know, I would see my mother do that. You know, I see my mother making the platters and, and, and just caring for, for the poor and the needy. But that was one of the things that really uh, touched me when I was listening to your, your introduction there. But, um, you, you know, it's such an important feast, as you said, and certain, certainly Pope Francis knew that. And just to really emphasize it more, that Mary is the mother of the church. You know, when we see church, we can get lost, you know, brick and mortar. It's not brick and mortar. The church is the mystical body of Christ, you know, and, and the church is the militant, the suffering, 
and the triumphant. That's the church. And Mary's the mother, the mother of the church. And I, I just think, you know, if I can just maybe begin with this story uh, about uh, a passion play in Cincinnati in 1925. And they were doing the Last Supper, and there was a little girl. She was always on the edge of her seat with her mother, just, uh, you know, just caught up in, like it was real. Everything was real to her. And it came the time where Judas, or Lord, dipped the bread and gave it to Judas, do quickly what you must do. And Judas ran out and he betrayed the Lord, and he's on his way to hang himself. And, he, and he's shouting out, now, whom shall I go? Whom shall I go? Who will, who will have me? And the little girl caught up, she says to her mother, and her voice carries all throughout the auditorium. Mommy, why doesn't he go with Mother Mary? She will help him, I know. She will help him, I know. And I think, you know, I know. You know, no one knows what a mother she is to me, uh, Josh. You know, just, she, it's, so, it's all so personal. Mm-hmm. You know, it really is, you, you know. And um, I have to t- tell this story uh, about... Um, when I was eight years old, and this is, you, you know, uh, later on where, you know, I would understand Mary as my mother from, from my mother instilling that in me. And even when my mother died, I say, gosh, you know, and now I have two mothers in heaven. But uh, eight years old, I, we had a, a teacher instead of a, a religious nun in St. Gabriel's school here. And I was a little disappointed that we didn't have a nun. But we would get like a nun for religion class. And I don't remember any of them except for this one came in during the month of May. And she said, uh, today we're going to write a letter to the Blessed Mother. And she wrote on the board. She wrote on the board, um, Blessed Mary of a Virgin, Queen of Heaven, Paradise Guardians. And we had to write that like on our envelopes. And then she said, I want you to write to the Blessed Mother for whatever you want. And she turned, you know, I could hear the 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 request going around the room. I want a dollhouse. I want a baseball bat. I want a baseball glove. And I remember writing, Dear Blessed Mother, please ask your son if I could be a priest. And sister took the letters. We sealed them. And she said, no human eyes will ever see these. And she said, they will be burned in the incinerator in the convent yard here. And it would be, be like airmail. No eyes would ever see them. But she said, now go home and pray for your request. And I remember that night in May, 1959, eight years old. I, you know, I was just uh, seven in April, so I was just past the age of reason. And I was looking out the window in my bedroom at night and looking at the full moon. And it looked like a host. It was so white and round. And I couldn't even see a golden cross on it. And all night long, I pestered the Blessed Mother saying, please, Blessed Mother, ask your son if I can be a priest. Josh, hundreds and hundreds of times, and I heard my first locution from her, and she said, shh, shh, my son, go to sleep. Someday you will be a priest. And Josh, I look back at that experience. I even wrote a book called My My Anointing Echoes, and that always stayed with me, even in difficult times when I started to doubt that voice that someday you would be a priest. And um, that was so powerful. But at that point, when I heard that and I look back at it, I realized she's calling me her son. You know, she's my mother. Go to sleep, my son. She's like, she already, she consecrated me there, calling me her son, and then I would be a priest. And, and, And that's what I mean when I say no one knows what a mother she is to me, because she's always been there all my life all my life, bringing me close to to Jesus. When you look at all of our apparitions, Josh, 
you know, build a church, a chapel. Why? It's the altar. It's the tabernacle. It's the confessional. It's baptismal. Fine. Always bringing us to her son. That, as Louis de Montfort said, she's the way to the way. We don't go to the Father ex- except except through Jesus. But we can't get to Jesus except through Mary. You know, she's the, the mother of all the living, the new Eve, you know, right there at at the cross, as she stood there at the cross, it was uh, she shared in that that passion of his. And I remember someone once said, "If Jesus started to come down off the cross, Mary would say, you get right back up there.' You know, she's the, our mother, and she's the mother of each and every one of us, and not just the Christians. You know, all of us. There's only one race, the the human race. And I think about the the Battle of Lepanto. You know. Uh, when we prayed uh, 1571 and the Pope Pius V said, pray the rosary, Our Lady the Victory, and, you know, for to win the battle against the Turks. And something happened in that battle. The wind shifted and gave the Christians the upper hand, who were outnumbered three to one. And, and the Christians won that battle. And everybody said, good, we beat the enemy. No, the miracle of that battle was the war ended and the bloodshed stopped. She's the mother of each and every one of us, loves us so much, the mother of all the living, you know, the new Eve, Josh. Yeah, well, and that that's something that I was thinking, too, as I was reflecting on Mary's role as a mother in different ways. You know, we commonly refer to her as the Blessed Mother. We talk about her as the Mother of God, and and before I came into the Catholic Church, that, that title, Mother of God, it would be something I'd really wrestle with, but as a Catholic, I look at that and say, well, that says more about the divinity of Jesus than it does really much about Mary. It just identifies her in her role there connected to her son, who is God. Uh, you know, today we have uh, her as mother of the church, but yeah, the church fathers, the other saints, they drew that parallel, and Jesus being the Savior of all humanity. Now, it doesn't matter whether you're uh, a Christian or a Catholic or not, Jesus is that new Adam in that role. And so Mary, in that role of the new Eve, she takes on that role as a new mother to all of humanity, stepping in where the original Eve should have been that and failed. We see that succeeding through Mary. Mm. Yep, that's, that's so, sh- so true, you know. Um, I was just thinking, too, you know, just that personal dimension, Josh, that, you know, as a, a, you know, like, you know, one of the Protestants, our Protestant brothers and sisters, they were always big on the personal relationship with right, Jesus, right. you know, and, and that's so important for us. When we look at the sacraments, it's personal relationship with Jesus, you know, um, baptism, I'm called by name, you know, confession, I'm right there, I one-on-one with Jesus. The priest is not a middleman. He's a screen, but it's Jesus there. It's the priest. who It's not the priest who changes the bread and wine. It's Jesus. And that the mystery of the Mass is so powerful. And the mother of the Church, Mary, is standing there at Calvary. And when we come to Mass, you know, we're, we're standing with Mary at Calvary, and it's a personal dimension. When Jesus looks down at that at, from the cross, he already saw you and me and all of our sins, that he, he atoned for them. This mystery is so deep, and yet... This is real food and real drink. Our Archbishop just came out with something um, well, in a letter uh, about Pentecost. He was saying this. He says, nothing compares to being there, meaning there at the altar. And he says that Christ's presence in the Eucharist is real, and our personal presence is required uh, to, to receive him. 
Uh, and, you know, we close our churches, and this is something that, you know, we should close our supermarkets before our, our churches, because our churches are real food and real drink. And this is where we meet the Lord, right there at the altar. And, um, you, you know, I have a great devotion to the miraculous medal, Josh. Mm-hmm. And, and when you look at the back of the medal, uh, it, it's so powerful that the back of the medal, to me, it's a Eucharistic medal. It tells the whole story. And when you look at the back of the medal, there's 12 stars that go around it. And, pe- you know, people say, well, the symbolism is the 12 apostles or or the uh, 12 tribes. But it's like the 144,000, the symbolism of the mystical body of Jesus. And when you look at the back, it's so plain. All you see is like the M and the, and the cross. And then you see the two hearts. One heart is... Uh, pierced with the sword, which is Mary's heart, and the other heart is surrounded with the thorns, which is really Jesus's heart. But the center of the metal is so powerful because there's a bar that goes through the M, and that's the symbol of the altar. And this is what's so beautiful with Catherine Labouret. When when, um, Mother Mary came to 140 Rudebach there on June 18th, 19th, the first thing Mary did, and a lot of people don't know this, and I have it in the French, and I haven't seen it written in the English or even mentioned. But the first thing the Blessed Mother did when she went down in that chapel, she prostrated before the altar and the tabernacle to show us who's in, the, in all the tabernacles of the world. And when she sat on that chair and Catherine Labouret put her hands on the lap of Mary, said it was the sweetest time of her life. One of the things Mary said that for all the remedies, come to the altar, come to the altar. You know, that's where all the remedies are taken care of. All of our sins are forgiven. It's where we find eternal life. That Eucharist is the greatest story ever told. That's why I like to call it catechetical and also the, uh, you know, the Eucharistic medal. Uh, it was that Father Adele said to Catherine Labouret when he was to strike up the medal. Catherine uh, was the uh, spiritual director. He said, ask the Blessed Mother if I should add something. It looks so plain. And the Blessed Mother said, it is enough. It is enough. It's the, it's the Mass. And, and that's where everything happens, right there. And it's so personal. And, and Josh, I have to tell this story. And I know I've been taking a lot of time, and I want to No, no, no. Too. Go right ahead, Father. <laughs> but I worked with the Little Sisters of the Poor for 21 years. And I've seen a lot of people die. I mean, that's, that's the mission of the Little Sisters of the Poor. I call them the midwives of Christ because they help the divine physician to usher the souls into eternal life, into that new life with the divine physician. But I've seen people die at, at the uh, dinner table. They would die in the hallway suddenly. Uh, many of them would die uh, in their sleep like a blown-out can- candle. But very often they would die wide awake. And the beautiful things that would happen there. And I was a witness to... to witnessed so many of these beautiful deaths. I remember the uh, the first death, it was a sister Patrice, and I was just coming to the Little Sisters at the time. And she had a great devotion to the Divine Mercy. And, it, and, and she was dying on, on Friday, and it was the three o'clock hour. And I just remember her like sitting up and looking above our heads, and she was fixating on someone, reaching, her, her lips were moving. And then she fell back, and I thought she was gone. The little sisters, they, I guess they knew better at that time. But I start praying as the priest, eternal restaurant to Sister of Lord. Maybe about 45 seconds later, Sister takes another breath, and then she dies. And I've seen this breath, this delay, many, many times. 
And this was my question. Who are they looking at? And again and again, they're reaching, they're looking, their lips are moving. Sometimes you even get a, a fragrant smell in the room. It's, it's really a powerful, it's the hour of death. And it's like all the Hail Marys are being fulfilled. So here's my uh, theological speculation. John, uh, who was it? Uh, St. Bernadette, at the end of her life, said she saw the Blessed Mother. Don Bosco saw the Blessed Mother. John Paul II, at the end, his last words were, I have looked for you and you have come. And the press picked it up. The young people were coming. No, it was the Blessed Mother. And this is my, this is my theological hunch. At the end, what we see is the Blessed Mother. And we come out of our bodies, the breath before the last, and we see her, and we stand with her, and we look up at the cross of Jesus Christ. We're at Calvary now, next to Mother Mary, our mother. And Jesus is dying in our body. And the last words that he speaks are now personal. And these words, behold your mother, Douglas. Mother, behold your son. This day, Douglas, you will be with me in paradise. I thirst for you, Douglas. Father, forgive Douglas. He didn't know what he was doing. Into your hands, Father, I commend Douglas. It's finished. Mom, we got Dougie. And he takes the last breath. He takes, because if we believe in him, we never die. He dies our death. And this is all happening here in the holy sacrifice of the Mass that goes on and perpetrated, uh, that's uh, perpetuated for all times, for all people. He's already seen it all. He's already taken it all. And he's not going to die again. He's in glory. But he's already saw us there at the foot of the cross when he died for my sins and your sins, Josh. Yeah. And this is all so, so very personal, so, yeah. so personal. It's so, so, you know, that Mother Father. Mary there at the foot of the cross to be with her. Yeah, that, that really is just a beautiful image there. And uh, let's pick this up. We, we need to take a short break here, Father. But uh, our spiritual director today, Father Douglas McKay, he's a priest in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. And we're talking about Mary and her role as Mother of the Church, that's the feast today, but also that personal connection we have with her as our own spiritual mother, uh, given to every one of us by our baptism, by being those followers of, the, the, of Christ, by being a Christian, by being a Catholic. Mary as that role. When has Mary helped you in your life? How have you experienced her care as a mother? We'd love to have you join the program today by calling us at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address, innerlife at relevantradio.com, and we'll continue the conversation right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. If you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. Call now. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. The Inner Life with Josh Raymond on Relevant Radio. Welcome back 
to The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Douglas McKay, a priest in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, founder and spiritual director of Our House Ministries in the Grays Ferry section there in Philly. And we're talking about Mary, uh, her role as our spiritual mother on this, the memorial of Mary as mother of the Church. And uh, Father, right before the break, you were talking about that image of when we die, that Jesus is there on the cross, and Mary is the one who is kind of guiding us there to meet Jesus. And it reminded me of the very first time I ever stepped inside an adoration chapel. And I had the the man who would go on to be my sponsor to come into the church. He brought me along, said, hey, I've got an hour that I'm going to be in prayer. Would you like to come along? And so we went into that adoration chapel, and he was kind of explaining some different things to me. You know, this is a monstrance. This is, you know, what this is. This is what that is. And there was a statue of Mary in the back corner. And I just said, well, you know, this seems to be very focused around Jesus. Why is there this statue of Mary in the corner? And he said, well, if you look, if you notice, she has her hands kind of open. And it's like she's kind of ushering and guiding us, saying, here, go talk to my son. And, you know, every time we pray that Hail Mary, and we say pray for us now and at the hour of our death, I I love that image that you gave us of Mary being there guiding us, that she has been praying for us all our lives if we ask for her to. And at that moment of our death, she's still interceding and still asking for her son's mercy on us to be that substitutionary death that gives us that grace, that hope of being able to enter into eternal life forever with him. So it's a beautiful image, Father. Yeah, and you're so right, Josh. She's right there. She's always with us, just like Jesus. The two hearts are one, and our hearts are supposed to be one with theirs. In grade school, it was always the three hearts, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, that we were members of that eternal family, God's eternal family. And and Mary's whole role is to bring us to God, you know. God comes to us through her, and we go to God through her. And it's just, you know, remarkable when you really think about it, her role in, in salvation. It's so beautiful that she's always pointing to him. It's always about his will. It's all about us being in divinity. You know, once we're there, she backs off. We have like you call contemplation mysticism. I'm face to face with God. But I got to go through the means of the church, Mary, you know, the saints, uh, the rosary, the prayers, the holy water. All these means sanctify us. And they're, they're all means to the end. And God is our end. And this is what Mary wants more for us than anything else, that we're in communion with her son. And he's in communion with us in that mystical body, the mother of the church who mothers us into this great, deep mystery of salvation. I think of the little flower, you know, she always said when she didn't like the preachers when they came in, and they made Mary look like the sun, and the saints like the stars, and Mary would outshine the stars. And the little flower said, what mother wants to outshine her children? Mary, whole role, she wants us to be so deeply in love with God, in the heart of God. It's through Mary we come to Jesus. And it's through Jesus we come to the Father, where we come from, where we belong, and where we're going, and we're in the heart of God. But we go through the Blessed Mother. It's God's design. It's not our design. It's the mother of all the living. What what Eve messed up and fumbled the ball, Mary picked up and and took us in for a touchdown into the kingdom of God, to the heart of the Father. Mm. As you're listening today, and uh, we're talking with Father Douglas McKay here, How has Mary been that spiritual mother for you? How has she helped draw you closer to her son, Jesus? 
When has she helped you in your life? And how have you experienced her care as a mother? Uh, you can call and share how you have grown in that relationship with Mary and how that's helped you in your love, your devotion, uh, your dis- uh, discipleship that has grown towards Jesus. Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father, let's go to Francis. She's listening in California. Hi, Francis. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Good morning. Uh, God bless you, Douglas McKay. I I heard thank you. I heard always uh, the stories that our blessed mother pointed always towards her son, which is beautiful. But it was reversed for me. It was reversed for me. Uh Jesus pointed to his mother to me. I was going through the motions. So when I started praying the rosary every day, she she melted my cold and bitter heart. And of course, I'm still a work in progress, but um she just taught me the maternal side that I'd never seen over the years growing up. Not blaming my mother, but it's just it's just the way it is. And by by contemplating, praying the rosary of Jesus' life and her love, her enormous love for him just gave me a pathway to understand and look towards her modeling, if you will. Yeah, so Francis, you're right. Story. Yeah. Thanks for saying that, because it's both. It's Jesus who really reveals his mother to us. You know, at the foot of the cross, the church had always understood when he said from the cross to John, Behold your mother, mother, behold your son. The church always understood that, that he was speaking to us as individuals. Behold your mother, that he's pointing to Mary. Behold your mother. So it's it's uh, it's kind of both, but then it's, you know, the two hearts are one. I always say that, the two hearts are one. Yeah, but thank you, Francis. Thanks yeah. for uh, bringing that point up. Yeah, so glad you called in today, Francis. Uh, and Father, uh, let's go back to the phones. We've got Aida, who is listening in Rancho Bernardo, California. Hi, Aida. Uh, welcome to The Inner Life today. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to share a very profound thought that I had when I was talking to my husband about the Eucharist. And um, since we're speaking on Mary, you know, I think that we take the body and blood of Jesus in went into our own bodies when we received the Eucharist. And where did Jesus get his body and blood from? And that was Mary. And so we receive Mary and her, you know, that that body and blood that she gave of herself to Jesus. And, and we become united as a family, um, as children and as sons and daughters of, of God. And so I also, since you were asking, you know, in a way how Mary has, has helped us. I mean, my mother taught me how to pray the rosary since I was little. Even when I go back to Arizona to visit, we pray the rosary together daily. And I'm so thankful that she taught me that. And even now raising my four children, the way that she has helped me the most is in, in being patient with my children. Um, instead of counting to 10, I say Hail Mary's. And, and it has helped me to be patient. Usually, you know, my, my children will listen by the time I'm done with the Hail Mary, or I myself will, will, you know, feel less of having to be in control. And so I just thank her for that and for her intercession. And I want to honor her in that way and teach my children and pass that along. Yeah, thank you, Aida. 
um, yeah, the humanity. That's why she's the mother of God is because Jesus has two natures, the nature of God and the nature of man. And that's what she gives birth to, the nature of man. But he only has one person, and that's the divine person. So there it is, the humanity and divinity come together. And that's what's so beautiful, that God became one of us. He became human so that we may become one with him, divine, to be divinized, just like the Blessed Mother. Look at her, look at her relationship. You know, she's full of grace at the Immaculate Conception, full of God. She, the Trinity is already residing in her, and the, the second person is going to take flash when, you know, when she, Gabriel, Gabriel comes and she says yes. But she's the precious daughter of, of, of the Father, and she's the spouse of the Holy Spirit. And the two of them, you know, you know, it's through the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, that the Word becomes flesh and dwells among us. And, you, you know, we just celebrated Pentecost. But the first definition of the Holy Spirit in Acts, by the way, Acts is like the gospel of the Holy Spirit, mentions the Holy Spirit 40 times. But the first definition is that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And with Mary, the angel Gabriel, how can this be? I don't know man. The, you know, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. You know, and this is so beautiful. And where's it leading to? But to the to the Eucharist, as you mentioned, um, the humanity of Christ. It's at the Epiclesis when the priest puts his hands over the bread and wine and invokes the Holy Son, your Holy Spirit, upon the bread and wine, that they may become the body and blood of Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit, the bread and wine becomes the body and blood of Jesus. So what's the point? He goes in the tabernacle and that's the end? No, he comes into our hearts. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm divinized, like Mary. You know, when we come up to communion, I say amen. I'm saying, let it be done to me, as you say. And the Word is, is called to become, become flesh in me, and my humanity becomes divinized, and I become one with God. That's the whole point of the incarnation, that God condescends, you know, takes our human nature, that we may have his divine uh, everlasting life, you know, divinized to be John of, the, John of the Cross said, God became man so that man might become God. I mean, grasp, try to grasp that. So deep, you know, and, and we act like God. Every time, you know, I'm patient, kind, we, all these virtues that he's bestowed on us, you know, uh, compassion, mercy, forgiveness, love, they're all, that's all divine virtues. And it is the Lord shining through me, and we see it in Mary. She's filled with God, and she wants us to be filled with God. But thank you, Aida. Yeah, and Father, as listening there to Aida, listening to Francis, the phone call right before hers, if there's a woman out there, you know, both of these women have talked about that relationship with Mary, how it's been so beneficial for them. But if there's a woman listening today and she's a wife and a mother, but doesn't have that relationship with Mary, doesn't have that devotion to the Blessed Mother, what would you, ins- what would you say to encourage her to turn to Mary? How should she start to develop that relationship if none exists? Well, yeah, everything's a grace, Josh. You know, first to pray for that, to pray for the, what the truth really is. I just think, you know, to read the scripture, she's always there between the lines, you know, uh, in, in, in the gospel and the traditions of the church, you know, to read the, the church fathers and all. Now, you, you, how precious Mary is, even at Pentecost, that she's there giving birth to the church, you know. But it's uh, praying and 
like you say here, Protestants, a lot of Protestants pray the rosary, the prayer Hail Marys, and uh, sit and be still and, and let the Holy Spirit come upon us and, and reveal, you know, reveal to us the truths of our salvation. And Mother Mary is such an important uh, part of it all, you know, as our mother. But, uh, yeah, you, you know, and I think about Jewish people and Muslim. Well, the Muslims have a great uh, honor with right, Mary right. that she's mentioned in the Quran. But I think about others, you know, that really don't even consider Mary in, in such a the way that we as Catholics do. But I really believe, Josh, that we'll, we'll go through Mary at that foot of the cross. No one goes to the Father except through Jesus. And it's all that, that hour, you know, of Calvary where he dies for me. You know, we can get lost in the crowd. And that's the beauty of, of, of the of, of priesthood, that when you see Jesus' miracles, that it's always he takes them by one-on-one. You know, he heals the blind man. He heals the deaf man. He calls Lazarus from the tomb. The, you know, little girl, get up. It's always like that one-on-one. And the priesthood is in persona Christi, that he continues coming to us with that personal relationship, that one-on-one through this power of, of the priesthood. You know, the priesthood... Everything that's holy, the devil attacks. The priesthood, the child in the womb, marriage, whatever's holy, you know, whatever's holy, Satan knows where to attack. And the priesthood has been attacked over and over and over again because Satan knows that Jesus comes to us in an intimate way through his priest. Our spiritual director is Father Douglas McKay, founder and spiritual director of Our House Ministries and a priest in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, and we're talking about Mary and her role as our spiritual mother on this, the feast, the memorial of Mary, Mother of the Church. And we're taking your phone calls as well. You can call in and share how Mary has been that mother in your life. How has she helped you? When has been that time that she's been that caring mother in your relationship with Christ. Our studio line is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, and we'll continue this conversation in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life spiritual directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. Our spiritual director today on The Inner Life is Father Douglas McKay. He's the founder and spiritual director of Our House Ministries, and he's a priest in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. And we're talking about Mary as our spiritual mother and taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149. How has Mary been that spiritual mother in your life? When have you experienced that care that she's had for you? Uh, Again, our studio line, 888-914-9149. And Father, right before the break, we were talking about how Mary can be that role for moms out there listening. But what about for the men that are listening? Uh, For me, uh, other men that are husbands and fathers, how can Mary, as our spiritual mother, how can she help us to be those better husbands, better fathers? Well, if you just look at Mary's fiat, everything was about God's will. It was always about love. She was so filled with virtues, and and she's our model, you know, how to live like God. We, too, need our, our fiat, our strong yes, 
you know, whatever it may be, you know, to love our children as Mary loves loves all of us as, as her children. And, um, you, you know, just to uh, really, um, uh, that fiat, you, you know, just to give God everything because he gives us his all and everything's a grace. And, you know, the prayers, you know, Mary was the great contemplative. We need to pray more deeply and receive the graces. And, and Mary, you know, she shows us the divine trinity, that God the Father, as God the Father loves the Son, that we to love our children. And as the children, as, as the Son loves the Father, the children should love the Father and the mother and, verse, and, and vice versa. But, uh, yeah, it, it's really, you know, living, living a prayer life and it's living deeply the gospel and listening to the Word of God, and knowing that the children are really God's children. A lot of times, you know, I see when people die, and I like to always say that, you know, if there's a son that dies or a daughter, I would always say that your daughter is more God the Father's daughter than your daughter, mm, sure. or he's more the son than your son. And, and, and it's so true that, you know, we come from God. We don't come from a rock or a star. We come right from God the Father. He calls us by name. So all our children are really uh, children of our Heavenly Father. And, and to realize that and to ask the Blessed Mother, you know, to help us to be good fathers. Yeah, you know, that that's such a, a great point there, too, because it's so easy in the day-to-day routine to forget about that, you know, that we are the caretakers, the stewards of these beautiful children that God has entrusted to each of us who have, you know, whether whether you have biological children, whether you've adopted children, whether uh, maybe you're a spiritual father or mother to somebody, you know, some, somehow a surrogate, um, that, that role there, um, it really is just understanding that we're doing our best with what God has placed in our, our care. Um, Father, let's go back to the phones. We've got Lisa, who's listening in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for calling into The Inner Life today. You're on the air with Father McKay. Yes, hello. Um, as when I called, the, I was listening to the radio and listening to the program, and when I was 31 years old, I found myself as an unwed mother, and I was having these horrible, horrible nightmares that my child, that my baby was going to be deformed, have some kind of something. I just had this feeling, oh, something's going to be wrong with this child and how am I going to deal with this as a single mother? And so I went to the local birthright center and I talked to the counselor there. And so she, her first recommendation was, you know what, let's just pray to the blessed mother, you know, for your baby. So I said, okay. So, you know, we, we prayed and we prayed and we did a few Hail Marys and she just laid her hands over me and said this beautiful prayer all about Mary and from that moment on, I never, ever, ever had another nightmare that something was going to be wrong with my child. And now she's 23, and she's in school, you know, and in college, and she's and she's doing well. She's doing well. And I pray the, you know, I pray the rosary, you know, every day on my way to work, you know, because that's quiet time for me, you know. And so I get to pray the rosary, you know, every morning, and it's. I just love our Blessed Mother. She's just been so wonderful to me and, you know, showing me the, you know, how good her son is and because he's been a blessing to me as well and my life has just been blessed. 
It's wonderful, Lisa. You know, it, it, in that experience, just the prayer of the Blessed Mother and your, your fears and your concerns and the prayer of the Mary, that, that's so indelible in your heart. It's like the Mother of God touched you, and that, that will never go away. And that really deepened your devotion uh, to Mother Mary because you're her child. You're her child, just like your daughter is her child. We all are. So uh, thank you for sharing that, you know, that, the touch of Mary, you know, really yeah. indelible. Yeah, and and, and uh, you know, Father, listening to Lisa there too, that role of her as a mother, uh, it sounds like there is. is she, it reminds me of where, uh, oh, who was Samuel's mother? Was it uh, Hannah? Hannah? The, yeah, yeah, and she was there in the temple and praying, and just uh, offered her child. If God would give her a child, offer it back to God. And it sounds like that's kind of what Lisa's doing there. Um, offering her daughter back to the Blessed Mother, praying that daily rosary and saying those prayers for her daughter. Yeah, you made me think of the presentation to St. Anne and Joachim offering Mary back to the Father at the temple there, you know, you know, and leaving her there, and she doesn't turn back. Yeah, you know, really, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, uh, another thought that I have here, too, you know, we're talking about these good relationships that people have with the Blessed Mother, or good relationships that a mother has with her children, you know, uh, here uh, now as as people on Earth. But what about somebody who's had a difficult relationship with their mom? If the mom, uh, the, the, the setting they grew up in, their mother was abusive or manipulative. Yeah. Uh, you know how how could I, in that situation, look at Mary, understand her role as my spiritual mother, kind of getting past those those hurts that cloud how I might develop in my devotion to her? Yeah, you get that question a lot, especially with the relationship to God the Father. If your father was abusive, you know. Now, if your mother's abusive, how do you really have a relationship with, the, with Mother Mary? But that's what you need it the most. If you're not getting from your mother, you have another mother. You'll always have another Mother Mary. And everything that you desire to be in your mother is in Mother Mary. And we're her children. And we're more God's children than we belong to um, our own worldly mothers or fathers. They are custodians of us. We come through our parents, but not from our parents. We come directly from God. You know, at that word, let there be a Josh, you know, at conception, and you happen, and I happen. And and this is the whole journey, Josh. You know, we're all on this journey, uh, coming from the Father, and our hearts are, are, are just hungry for and thirsty for the truth. Uh, our hearts are restless until they rest in God, and, and we're heading back there where we belong. Uh, with the Father. And Mother Mary and all these beautiful saints, you know, they show us the beauty of being human. And um, just because, you know, maybe our mothers were abusive or they were sick with drugs or, uh, you know, we need to pray for them, but also to realize that we're all sinners. We're all in the same boat and we're all seasick. But we have Mother Mary and Jesus, you know, the, the cure for, for our sins, the forgiveness, the mercy, the transforming love. We must go to God. Father, we're down to our last couple of minutes here on the program, and I, I know you always have great stories to share with us, different examples, different anecdotes that can help kind of bring those spiritual uh, uh, ideals and spiritual concepts down to a practical level. Anything that you want to share with listeners as we get close to the end of the hour here? Yeah, um, 
I wanted to mention uh, the mother of perpetual health. That's a beautiful icon, and if I can get that in quickly, and then with a story, um, you know, that icon is uh, where uh, you know you have Angel Gabriel, and Michael, and they're holding the instruments of death, and uh, Jesus is in in the arms of his mother. He appears to be ten years old because he knows what's going on, and he's running from the cross. And one of the shoes is missing, and the other shoe is hanging off his foot. He's so afraid that he runs. And where's he run into the arms of his mother? And if you look at that icon, the mother perpetual hell, her eyes are on us. And that Jesus was not alone in his, in his passion. He had someone to run to, and he ran to his mother. And we're not alone in our suffering and our passion. We have a mother, and we too run to be with her. But here, I just would end with this story, <clears throat> Chuck. Um, I mean, Josh, the story uh, about a mystic, and the mystic would have uh, visions, and she would see so much, and she, <clears throat> this vision, mystic saw her son fall off a roof and break his back, and he was paralyzed, and so what had happened was the, um, the, the mother heard about Jesus coming to the town, and the mystic's watching all this, and she picks up her little boy, and she goes to half a mile to the hill where Jesus is preaching the kingdom of God with the apostles, and Mary's there. And when the mo widow mother gets with her paralyzed son, she falls down, and the blessed mother sees her, and she comes down the hill, and she says, give me your son, I am a mother too. And she picks the paralyzed boy up, and she walks through the apostles, and Jesus stops his preaching, and she simply puts the boy's body, the broken, paralyzed body in the arms of her son. And Jesus just simply puts him down. The boy hops around, high-fiving the apostles. He goes down to, the blessed, to, to his mother and helps her home. And here's the whole thing. Peter comes up and says, Lord, this miracle was so different. Usually you say something, you make mud, you put it on the eyes, but here you, you didn't do anything. Why? And Jesus said to Peter, Peter, the little boy was in the arms of my mother. And that is all that is necessary. You see, Josh, when we're in the arms of our mother, we're in the arms of Jesus. The two hearts are one. And then we're in the heart of the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit through the arms and the love and the heart of our Mother Mary. That's a great way to end the program today, Father. Douglas McKay is our spiritual director. And, Father, as we're down to about our last minute here, could I ask you to offer all of our listeners a blessing today as we conclude the program? Yes. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, our Father, we praise you for the, for the gift of your Son, Jesus, and your Holy Spirit, your two arms, but also for the gift of, of our Blessed Mother, and St. Joseph, the chaste heart and the immaculate heart. And we, we just ask that you give us a deeper devotion to the Holy Family, to Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, and help us to realize more than ever we are members of your eternal family. And bless all the listeners. Bless Josh and, and Jim and all the staff of Relevant Radio, and keep our hearts one through the heart of Mary, dear Lord, with your, with your divine heart, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father McKay, so good to talk with you. Yeah, thank you. And uh, thank you for listening. If you missed any part of the program, of course, go back and listen to the podcast. You can find it at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Of course, a big thank you to Jim Shaper and Nick Sentovich and Patrick Alog for all of their help today in making this program possible. Thank you also for you making this program possible. We are listener-supported here at Relevant Radio. And for those, those of you who have made those 
donations in the past. We wouldn't be here without your help. Make sure to stay tuned because we've got Mass coming up next. Father Mark Malezova is the celebrant today. And coming up tomorrow on The Inner Life, we're going to talk about the virtue of chastity. Are you living that out? Are you a chaste person? Sometimes that's easier said than done here in our contemporary society. We'll look at that tomorrow here on The Inner Life.